Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap in the house of God. Anybody glad to be in God's house on Sunday morning, man? I'm glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. Why don't you turn to a neighbor? Let them know you're glad they're beside you. Tell them that they look like they've lost 20 pounds. Just tell them that this morning. Let them know. And uh, I believe something good is going to happen to you in the house of God today. Tell you, I've been here. I got here uh, yesterday afternoon. Ministered last night in Marion, Kentucky at Life in Christ. How many of y'all enjoyed Pastor Chris McDonald? Donald last week. Great guy, great man of God. Been a bit a friend of mine for, I don't know, for 15, 20 years. But um, they got a great revival going on, and, and it goes on tonight at 7. Anybody that wants to be there, I want to invite you out to that uh, because we're covenant friends and, and really sister churches in so many, so many ways. But I'm excited. I believe that uh, the Spirit of God is going to minister to some people today. How many of y'all want to get something out of coming to the house of God today? You don't just want to show up. You want to get something. So I want you to lean in. I want you to get your heart prepared. I want you just to get ready to receive. I want us to pray, and I'm going to ask you to do one more thing after we pray. But come on, let's pray together. Father, right now I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God would say to the church. Church. I pray, Lord, we wouldn't just live our lives in neutral, but that we would go somewhere by your glory. And Father, we pray right now you would use us in America. America needs our voice. America needs salt. America needs light. America needs help. And we say, here we are, Lord. Send us. Some of you may want to lift a hand to heaven right now. Father, we declare that we tune our ear to your command. Now I pray that the voice behind the voice will begin to flow supernaturally in this house in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, let us have a great year of great, great influence and great revival, I pray, in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the church said, amen, amen, amen. Uh, if you're on social media, you're on Facebook, if you would pull that out and share this service, that would help us out big time. And, and why don't you give everybody watching online a big hand clap right now. Y'all give them a hand clap. Thank them for watching online. All of our campus pastors are preaching live at their services today, so I'm believing God for big stuff to happen in every His Church campus. I want to go ahead and title the message that I'm going to preach today, and uh, we'll get into the Word of God in one moment, but the title of the message is The God of the Prophet and the Prophet of God. The God of the Prophet and the prophet of God. Now, I don't know if you noticed it or not this year, uh, especially last year, how many of y'all thought 2020 got just a little bit weird? Was 2020 a little weird, a little uncomfortable for some of y'all? I don't know about you, but I want a refund on 2020. How many of y'all want that year back? I feel like it was a stolen year, and the Bible says whatever the devil steals from you, he's got to repay you sevenfold. So I'm believing for seven great years coming back.
coming back to us instead of that one bummer year that was 2020. And uh, whenever I look at 2020, I look at that year and I feel about that year like it really was, if I were to, to label it something prophetically, what it looked like to me. I would call 2020 the year of Jezebel and Ahab in America. The year of Jezebel and Ahab in America. Jezebel and Ahab, they took over the kingdom of Israel. Ahab was a weak king who was called to lead, uh, would not lead himself, but he married a pagan king's daughter by the name of Jezebel. And Jezebel, what she did is she brought the worship of two pagan gods to Israel, the worship of Baal and the worship of the Ashtoreth. And those two things were nasty in the sight of God. God hated it. It involved human sacrifice. It involved every kind of pagan thing you could imagine. And Israel got swept up into this worship. And Jezebel led Israel. Ahab, uh, by default, gave the nation to Jezebel. And she led it through murder. She led it through intimidation. She led it literally through manipulation and witchcraft. Now, I'm telling you, if you look at America in 2020, we had a, a spirit of manipulation, a spirit of lies, a spirit of witchcraft, a spirit of control. I'm telling you, we lost things in 2020. I never thought we would lose in America. How many of you know our religious liberty, we lost it for a period of time? Does anybody think religious liberty is still worth fighting for in America? Anybody think the First Amendment is still worth fighting for in America? Does anybody think it's not time to shut up? about what we have as a nation. I don't think it's time yet, but we lost, we lost that. Church has lost it. So listen, uh, our culture is lost. Stats show that 30% of Americans identify right now that they are depressed as humans. Our culture is lost. We're, we're lost morally. Right now we're looking at things like the Equality Act. I spoke about the Equality Act on Newsmax this week. Let me tell you about the Equality Act. If you don't know what it is, uh, the liberal politicians, leftists and people that hate uh, the Christian worldview, take these kind of bills, alter them, and then put nice names on them. The Equality Act, what could be wrong with the Equality Act? Here's what the Equality Act says. If someone that is transgender, and I'm not, I'm not against these people, I'm for these people, come on, God's for, for everybody, doesn't matter what your hang-up is or what your sin is. And let me say this, uh, uh, being in a homosexual relationship is sin, but being in a heterosexual relationship outside of marriage is also sin. Can somebody say amen? Sin is sin. But here's the play with the Equality Act, just so you know what it is. The Equality Act says we have in our bylaws in his church that marriage is between one man and one woman. It's the way we'll do a marriage. There's no other marriage that will ever be performed at his church. But the Equality Act says if it gets passed and it's already through the House, if it goes through the Senate on the other side, uh, it would it would be, it would, it would, it would totally destroy all of our bylaws. And if somebody shows up and says, we want you to do the kind of marriage that we want you to do, and we said, no, we're not going to do that, we would face legal consequences and also lawsuit. Um, if we wouldn't allow transgender people to come into the bathroom with our little boys, our little girls, here, here at, the, at the church, it includes church in the language. And it totally runs roughshod over religious liberty. This is not an equality act. This is a conformity act. There's a new state 
state religion, and the state religion is saying, church, you better line up and do what we say, or we're going to sue you, we're going to arrest you, we're going to come after you, and I'll tell you what, it'll be a cold day in hell when a transgender grown male goes into the bathroom with my nine-year-old daughter. It's not happening, not over my dead body, and it's time that America stands up and speaks out. And listen, live however you want to, that's on you. But you cannot force me to conform to your worldview. This is America. This is not North Korea. This is not China. This is not Iran. This is not Saudi Arabia. This is America, and it's our individuality that made us what we are. Why would we conform now to a Jezebel spirit? Do you understand the blood of the men and the women that have been shed on battlefields around the world to make sure we did not have to conform? Why in the world would we lay it down on our watch? Come on, somebody give God a hand clap. It's not time to lay it down. It's time to speak up and to speak out. It's time to get active. So this Jezebel spirit made us lose. We've lost so much. Man, the church is lost after 2020. You know what? You know where the church is right now? 30% of our churches in America are open right now. They have 30% attendance pre-COVID right now. We've lost people. Our pastors are lost in America. A lot of pastors won't speak out. They won't say anything. They want people to like them so bad, want them to come back so bad. They won't talk about what I just talked about. Why? Because they might get canceled on YouTube or somebody might walk out. Listen, if you don't like what I say because it lines up with the Word of God and you got to turn me off of YouTube or walk out of this service, I guess you're just going to have to walk out and go somewhere else because I cannot say anything that the Word of God does not say and I cannot call wrong, right, and right, wrong. I refuse to bow my knee to a culture like that. I will not do it. And so the, the beast gets unleashed. We're, we're lost in America. So many things are lost. But I got good news. Whenever things are lost, the church is the most effective that it ever is. Let me say it again. Whenever things are lost, the church is the most effective that it ever is. Jesus is obsessed with finding lost things. The Gospel of Luke, he talks about finding lost sheep, talks about finding lost coins, he talks about finding lost sons. And we're at a time where we can find things. I'm telling you, we're specialists at seeking and saving that which was lost. And I believe that God wants to use every one of you under the sound of my voice and every one of you online to find lost things in 2021. I believe in 2021, even though the world may look darker, we could have a greater revival than we've ever had before in America. I believe the stage is set for the sons and the daughters of God to stand up and to speak the gospel with such clarity that it changes the world. See, what God did the first time Jezebel stood up and tried to take over Israel, so he raised up a prophetic voice. God's answer to darkness is always a prophetic voice. What is a prophetic voice? A prophetic voice is one who will speak the word of God regardless of the cost. And I believe that God has taken us as a church movement, given us a national platform, not because of, of our lights are cool or not because of music. That's how people got platforms in the past. You had an Australian accent and your music was good, the next thing you know, everybody in the world knows you. That's that's not what it's about right now. God's raising up people who will boldly speak the truth. That's what a prophetic culture does. It stands up and it boldly speaks the truth. The first man that boldly spoke the truth against Jezebel was a man by the name of Elijah. Elijah. 
Elijah was called as a prophet, one of the most powerful Old Testament prophets. If you talk to a Jewish man or a Jewish scholar, I've got a dear friend of mine, a Jewish man, I speak to him three times a week on the phone. He also believes that Jesus is Messiah, although he still attends the synagogue and not the church. But he tells me the two major players in Jewish theology, the height of, 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 of heroes to the Jews would be these two men, Moses, number one, and number two, Elijah. They call him Eliahu. And Eliahu stood boldly against Jezebel. You know the story. They have this, they have this uh, duel, this prophetic duel at a place called Mount Carmel. And Elijah comes and he says, bring out the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Ashtoreth. And we're going to have, what we're going to have is we're going to have a prophetic duel. You guys do a sacrifice, slaughter an animal, put wood together. Then I'll do a sacrifice, I'll slaughter an animal, we'll put wood together. And we'll pray to the gods of the heavens. You pray to your gods, I'll pray to my gods. Whatever God answers by fire, we'll know that he is the true and the living God. So the prophets of Baal, what they do is they, they slaughter those animals and they begin to pray to Baal. They begin to cut themselves because they believe if they would make themselves bleed, it would get the attention of Baal. They begin to dance all day. Now I love this about Elijah. Elijah stood and watched them and made fun of them the whole time. It was like commentary, right? He's like, where is your God? Why is your God not answering? Is your God on vacation? In one translation, he said, maybe your God's in the bathroom right now. What I love about Elijah is he was sarcastic, and I believe that sarcasm is a spiritual gift that must be used often. Can I get an amen out there, right? Sarcasm's the highest form of humor from where I'm sitting. And so he's busting their chops, and the fire never falls. Then it's his turn to pray. And he walks over, and he prays, and he says, God, for the sake of your name and the sake of your prophets, answer by fire, and suddenly fire falls from heaven and it consumes his sacrifice. Every one of Israel's there watching, they fall on their face and they say, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Come on, if you believe the Lord, he is God, why don't you give him, come on, why don't we clap our hands in the sanctuary? Come on, somebody give God the highest praise. If you believe the Lord, he is God, why don't we act like he's God on a Sunday morning? Can I get an amen? Then you know what Elijah does? After that, he kills all the prophets of Baal. He wasn't just a, a easy, meek, mild little preacher. He was also a man of war. You know, it's okay to be a man of God and to still be a tough guy. In 2021, it's still okay to be a masculine male. They've taken 20 years trying to effeminize the American male. Why? If you can effeminize the American male, you can control the nation. But I'm telling you, God made us male and female for a reason. And there's nothing wrong with having an empowered masculinity. You can also have an empowered femininity. And that's the divine design of God. Come on. We need strong men and we need strong women. And we need them both in the body of Christ. And we need them now. And we need to stop allowing the effeminization of our teenage boys. Somebody say amen to that. Stop it. I knew, I knew years ago, I went to the beach, and I got out at the beach, and all the men's backs were shaved all of a sudden one day. And I was out there in my fur coat, and I'm like, my God, there's no hope for America, right? Come on. Come on. Let the men be men and the women be women, and that's the way it should be. And uh, Elijah was this tough guy. After the fire falls, Jezebel threatens to kill him, and he runs tries to save his own life, falls into depression. He becomes suicidal. 
And it's amazing. This is one of the most powerful prophets that's ever lived. Let me show you some of the things that he did. Just because if you've had a bad day, be encouraged. You could have better days tomorrow. He had, he had 14 major miracles. This prophet did. He caused the rain to, to cease for three and a half years. He shut the heavens. Number two, he was fed supernaturally by ravens. Number three, he had a miracle with, with a barrel of meal and a cruise of oil where it just kept coming and coming, multiplication. Number four, he resurrected a widow's son. Number five, he called fire down from heaven. Number six, he prayed again that it would rain, and it rained. Number seven, he prophesied that Ahab's sons would be destroyed. Number eight, he prophesied that Jezebel would be eaten by dogs. Number nine, he prophesied that Ahazai would die of his illnesses. Number 10, he called fire down from heaven upon 50 soldiers that came to get him. A second time, he called fire down from heaven and consumed another 50 soldiers. Number 12, he parted the Jordan River. Number 13, he prophesied that Elisha would have a double portion of his anointing. Number 14, he was caught up to heaven in a whirlwind and didn't die of natural causes. I don't know about you, but I would rather go in a whirlwind than in an ambulance. Can I get an amen out there? Sounds like a better deal. This guy was powerful. But there was a guy that came after him that was twice as powerful as Elijah. I believe that we're in a dark enough day in America that we need some people that are twice as powerful. Let me call it like this. Let's call them some double portion people. Elisha asked Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. Now I'm telling you what the church needs right now. We need a double portion of the spirit of the first great awakening that hit America. We need a double portion of the spirit of the second great awakening that hit America. We need a double portion of the spirit of the Jesus days, Jesus freak revival in America. We need a double portion of the spirit of the charismatic renewal in America. We need, we need a double portion right now if we ever have before. And so here's what happens. You can, you can look it up later. It's in 1 Kings 19. Go read it for yourselves. This Elisha, he's working at his father's farm, the guy that would take over Elijah's place. He's working in dad's farm. It's what he's doing. And uh, it wasn't like he was looking for a job or he didn't have anything to do. This was a man of means. His father was a property owner. They had dozens of oxen there working with them. They had, they had hands that were helping them at the time. They had servants. They had it going on. Here comes Elijah, the prophet, walks by and Elijah's out there working. And he comes by and he throws his mantle. His mantle's his prayer shawl that he would wear. Throws it on Elijah. Telling you what, if you get called by, by the Spirit of God to a special assignment like that, you don't hesitate, you don't stop, you don't look back, you just say yes. One of the greatest things I ever did in my life was I said yes when the Spirit of God called me. I'll tell you, whenever he called me, I was still messed up. I wasn't all the way out of addiction. My hair probably still smelled like marijuana, but he called me and I said yes, and it was one of the smartest things I ever did in my life. Come on, turn to your neighbor, just tell him say yes. Say yes to the call of God. He walks by and he calls and he says, come with me. What did that mean? I'm gonna make you a prophet. And he, he, he says, can I go kiss my mom and dad bye? And the prophet says yes. And so here they go. But before they go, here's what Elisha does. And this is the first thing you got to do if you're going to be a double portion kind of person. So he takes some of the yoke off of his oxen. He slaughters those oxen out there. Now I'm talking it's not clean. It's bloody business slaughtering oxen. 
You imagine what kind of tools he's working with? He's killing those oxen, he's taking them apart, tearing them apart, and then he lays out an altar of sacrifice. One of the primary things a priest did in the Old Testament is he was a butcher. He had bloody business. And then he, then he takes that sacrifice and he burns it before the Lord. Man, one of the best things you could ever do, Christian, is you need to learn to burn your plows and look forward. Can I get an amen out there? Call of God to something better, something new. The first test you have to pass is the test of the old. Come on, somebody say the test of the old. Come on, let's say it like you mean it, the test of the old. The first thing you have to do is you have to, you have to slaughter that thing and you gotta pass the test of the old. So what is, what is uh, uh, Elisha gonna be walking away from? He's gonna walk away from the security of the family farm. He's gonna walk away from everything he knew. He's gonna walk away from his dad's business. He's probably walking away from his inheritance. If he's not there, there's another son that'll get his peace. He's walking away and he's willing to leave the old to step into the new. The only way you ever walk into the new is you have to walk away from the old. So there's some old things some of you need to forget about so you can go into the new. Come on, there's some old relationships you need to cut off if you're gonna step into the new relationships that God's called you to. There's some old security. Some people can't walk away from this security to step into the call of God he has on your life in business, in ministry, in whatever it is. You have to learn to slaughter the old. Whenever God called me, Whenever I got called into the ministry, and we're all called, so I'm careful the way I use that. But whenever God called me, my father ran the largest cattle brokerage in America. I had something to go do. I was going to be well taken care of. I could make a bunch of money, and I knew it. But the call of God is always greater than whatever the old is. There was somebody else in my family that was called to do all that. I was called to do something else. So come on, let's be the kind of people that say goodbye to the old so we can step into the new. Somebody give God a hand clap if you're going to walk into the new and be a double portion person. The, the, the second test that Elisha has to pass. He has to walk away from the old and he has to go into the new. But the second test that the man has to pass is he has to literally pass the test of time. It's the test of time. Elisha won't get Elijah's mantle. He won't get his job. He won't get his second portion just overnight. It's gonna take some time. He's gonna have to serve this man of God for a while. Tell you, anything worth having, it takes time in life, doesn't it? Some of you in your 60s out there, how many of y'all believe anything worth having takes some time in life to get it? You're going to have to plow. You're going to have to sow. You're going to have to stay in through the tough times. You're going to have to hang in there. It takes time. What did Elisha become to Elijah? He became a servant. What, what did Jesus say to us Christians? The greatest of all is the servant of all. He was first will become last. Who is last will become first. So what does, what does this prophet do, young prophet in training? He becomes the servant to the man of God. What would he have to do? The Bible says he poured water over the hands of Elijah. After Elijah would eat or before he would eat so he could be clean, according to the Torah as a Jew, he would come and he would bring water and he would pour it over the hands of the man of God. Whenever Elijah wanted a coffee down at the coffee shop, he would send Elisha to go get his coffee. He was probably picking up his dry cleaning prophet's outfit or whatever he wore back in the day over at the place. He had to, he had to serve the man of God. And that gets old. That gets taxing. 
He knew he was called to be a prophet. Here he is serving, and he's got to stand the test of time. Oh, what could we do if we could stand the test of time? What if we could stay in the ring another round? In America, we're so quick to tap out now. First time it gets tough. First time it hurts. First time it's not easy. First time they talk about you on social media. First time somebody takes a jab. First time somebody calls you some bad name that they're labeling everybody with now. First time they say it, we run for the hills. I'm telling you, if we'll stand the ring and we'll stand the test of time, and if we won't quit, we'll win. Christian, if you don't quit, you win in the end. It's the way it works. He stays in and he stands and he pushes through this test of time. When he pushes through the test of time, I'm telling you what, God rewards him for it big time. Third test Elijah has to pass, and this is the biggest. He has to pass the, the test of offense. Man, we got a culture that's so easily offended right now, it is amazing. I walked through the house the other day, I saw a Dr. Zeus book and I thought about moving to Britain. I was so offended. It just, it shocked me that Sam I am, green eggs and ham, was in the house. It's offensive, isn't it? And can you believe that Mr. Potato Head is a mister? Dear God, the obscenity of him being a male potato head. I mean, I'm offended by things like this. Now, I'll tell you that same spirit of offense, it's not just on the world, it's also in the church. Can I get an amen out there? Have you ever met some offended Christians? I've had people say, well, I used to go to church till I met Christians like you. And I'm like, good luck with that on Judgment Day, you blaming your lack of faith and you're not serving God on something I did. That's between you and God, but I, I suggest you work it out right now. Can I get an amen out there? People get offended because somebody didn't say hello to them. People get offended because they didn't get called. People get offended because uh, of all the craziest things. They get offended and they leave the body of Christ. They step right out. They go from church to church to church to church. And they go here and there. They're, they're offended. Now, I know there's a valid time to leave sometime, and it's probably about 10% of the time people actually do it. But if we could pass the test of offense. Man, the offenses are going to come all the time. It's the way it is. Jesus promised offenses would come. Think about this. Elisha is serving Elijah. Now, Elijah is a prophet of God. But if you read the whole story, he was kind of a messed up guy. I mean, he wins one of the biggest battles of his life, and then he prays that he might die. He goes and he hides. He has, he has like a absolute like like breakdown and uh i'm sure working with him was not always easy i think i think maybe uh, uh, elijah was with elijah and he saw him get mad at times he saw him get depressed at times he might have saw him cuss somebody out at a drive-through somewhere i don't know that he did i'm just saying he was probably a man like most of us or a, a woman like you now i know you never have done something like that but the people at the methodist church down the road they did it once right not you but some of them did it and he had to look past the offense of understanding that this guy was divinely gifted and inspired, but he was also a man. Let me help you with every pastor in America, preachers, leaders, prophets, doesn't matter, miracle workers, some of the strongest ones I know. They might have a divine touch and a gift of God in their life. And come on, let's give God a hand clap for the gift of God that's in the pulpits in America. They feed us, lead us, and guide us. Amen. But how I many know those people are also people? Can I get an amen?
And they got a flesh to deal with just like you do. And they got good days and bad days, and they rise above it, do everything they can to lead. Elisha has a front row seat to see everything right and wrong with Elijah. And he stays anyway. And he has to pass the test of offense. And he prays this crazy prayer to the older prophet. He says, prophet, I, I, want, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want a double portion of the anointing that's on your life. Those 14 miracles I've seen you do, I want, I want twice as much as you have. And so the older prophet looks at the younger prophet and says, I want you to stay right here. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going somewhere. And he was getting ready to leave to go to heaven. He tells him this. He says, if you see me whenever I leave this earth, you'll get a double portion. And then you know what Elijah does? He tries to leave him behind and walk off after he served him for years and years and years. He tries to leave him in the dust. That's offensive, isn't it? He didn't just tell him, hey, you're going to get what I have. He said, nah, if you follow me and you see me when I go, maybe you'll get what I have. Man, most people would be offended at that. You're trying to sneak off now. It's at the end. I've served you forever, and now you're just leaving. But instead of Elisha getting offended, Elisha followed closely to Elijah. Wouldn't let him out of his sight. He followed him wherever he went. And he went to the first place, and there was a band of prophets there. And they came up, and they said, Did you not know that your master is leaving today? And he said, Shh, don't talk about that. Don't say anything. Then, then, then uh, Elijah goes to a second place. Elisha follows him there. And there's another band of prophets that says, did you not know that your master is leaving today? And he says, don't, don't talk about that. Goes to a third place. And Elisha still won't be offended. He still won't walk away. He stays right there. They say, did you not know? He said, quit talking about it. And all of a sudden, Elijah's there. And Elisha's there. And the chariots of fire pull up to grab the older prophet of God. They pull up. Heaven comes down to pick up the man of God who prophesied and stood all those years. Man, what a way to go. I want to go in some chariots of fire. The chariots of fire come by, and then Elisha, Elijah goes straight up into the heavens in a whirlwind. And so Elijah is standing there looking up, and Elijah's leaving. He told him, if you see me when I go, You'll catch my mantle. You'll catch my gifting. And all of a sudden, the mantle, it comes off of Elijah. And it falls from the heavens. I can see it. If you look up, I feel like I can, I can see it just falling from the heavens to the ground. You know, there's been a lot of great men that have lived on the earth and great women that have preached the gospel. You know, Billy Graham came and lived his life, but Billy Graham couldn't live forever. There's a day that he's going to go to heaven, but there's a mantle that can come down. Reinhard Bonnke preached the gospel to more people than any man that ever lived in the world. There, there's a day Reinhard went to heaven, already did. But that mantle, it can still come down to the earth. What it comes down to is will people pass the test to get a hold of what they had? And the last thing uh, Elisha does is he walks over, he grabs that mantle, and he picks it up. Now he's got to pass the test of operation. It's one thing to talk about miracles. It's one thing to talk about prophecy. It's another thing to stand up and boldly prophesy. Whenever Elijah prophesies, it's not going to rain again till I say it's going to rain. How many know that's a bold word? Now he's got to see if it's going to come to pass. So Elisha picks up his mantle. He walks over to the Jordan River. 
He'd seen the boss do it before. The boss would walk up to the Jordan River, smack the river with his mantle, and the Jordan River would open up, and he'd walk across on dry land. So what Elisha does is he walks over. He takes the boss's mantle, walks over to the Jordan River, takes it, smacks it on the ground, and cries out loud, where is the God of Elijah? And boom, it opens up right there. He walks across on, on dry ground. Then he goes from 14 miracles that are recorded about Elijah to 28 miracles that Elisha performed himself. One of my favorite miracles he performed, you bald guys are going to love this. Some kids made fun of his bald head, and she-bears came out of the woods and ate those teenagers. Some people want a healing anointing. I want a she-bear anointing. Like you mess with me, she-bears are coming to your house. They're going to find your address and eat you whole. So that, that's the kind of ministry Elisha the prophet had. Supernatural ministry. Double portion of the anointing. I wonder in America if we've still got hunger. I wonder if we want God, if we want revival, or if we want our iPhones and we want our television and we want our Instagram and we want our TikTok and we just want to be entertained every moment. I wonder if we want to see a, a, a Jesus revival or if we just want our stuff. We just want our stimulus check. We just want to get by. We just want to scrape through without a war. I, I, wonder, I wonder what we want. I wonder if there's a hunger left in some hearts in America. Sometimes I look around the church and it's like, my God, they want a cruise ship. But I'm telling you, we're coming to an hour where it's not enough to have a cruise ship. We're going to have to be a battleship church if we're going to stand up and speak out and see this nation not become godless like Europe. I've been throughout the European nations preaching. You know what the churches are now? They're museums, they're bars, they're clubs, and they're condos. And if we don't do something, if we don't have a double portion move, our great church houses are gonna be museums, bars, clubs, and condos. Far be it from America. May we have revival. It's gonna take somebody that wants that double portion. Somebody that wants to pass those tests. You know, I've had people come up and ask me, would you, would you pray for me for a double portion of what's on your life? It's not how it works. This guy had to follow, he had to serve, he had to pass tests. He had to stay in the ring. He had to not give up. Come on, how many of y'all want to follow Jesus? You want to serve, you want to pass tests, you want to stay in the ring, you want to not give up. Does anybody want to just keep plugging away? That's how you win in life. You keep showing up. It's 99% of the battle. You show up every day, one foot after another, ready to serve. And I'll tell you what, God will put his hand on you in a supernatural way.